0: Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, guys. On this Thursday, it's Melissa here with... Oh, Shannon. Shannon yes, yeah, that's, that's you. me. That's you. Last week you said, I'm Shannon and Melissa. Oh, <laughs> I really? don't know if you did. I, I did not catch that. <laughs> and no. then you told me to say hello, so we're saying hello <laughs> on a Thursday morning, afternoon, good evening, and we are old-time crime gals on a new day, and even though we pushed it back, we're still recording the day before because that's how procrastinators roll. Yes. But, but that's okay, because <laughs> <laughs> we do have a story to tell you today. Yay. <laughs> um, today and that, see I said um again I have to I said um 30,000 times I think on Dana LaPlante's story and I don't know why and I apologize if it bugged you because it bugged me when I was listening to it well at least you bugged yourself I did I, if you're I, gonna I bug everybody myself. else you bugged yourself but, I'm sure the five <laughs> listeners that we have were upset please don't that. go anywhere five <laughs> tell your friends we need more you're the fabulous five and we really appreciate you <laughs> oh it's funny games um so today we're going to be telling you the story of sherry rasmussen and this is a tale of course about jealousy and love that centers around one man john rutton and it was a love triangle that cost the life of his new bride sherry rasmussen so this murder case had lots of twists and turns and it didn't it took them 23 years to solve it 23 wow yes that's a long time and you'll see they should have just listened to somebody that was close to sherry and it would have been handled in like a week but you know how sometimes they don't (laughs) listen so we'll have to learn a lesson from that listen to those around you yes so john was a medical engineering major from san diego he was an undergraduate at ucla from 1978 to 1982 he was handsome, athletic. He was on the basketball team, so he kind of had, you know, everything going on there. Oh, really? Because I played basketball. I was not a basketball. I'm not. Well, I'm not sports. So, but you just I didn't did have drama. everything going on. He so, did. You know, yeah, I, mean, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't <laughs> have everything going on. It's definitely not going on now. It went down. So, <laughs> so as he you played. get older, it's nothing but downhill. Yes. So he played the basketball team at UCLA? Yes. Okay. And there he met a girl, and her name was Stephanie Lazarus. And they went out occasionally, and and he considered it kind of like a casual relationship, nothing serious. He never really called her her girlfriend. Um, They had stuff in common. She also was athletic and played. She was a junior varsity women's basketball player at UCLA. And she's a political science major. And after graduation, she goes and enters the police academy. Oh, okay. And I think she had more of a stronger feeling towards John than John felt towards her. Mm, sounds like that's not going to be turn out so well. Yeah. And I wanted to give this episode a different name, but then it would have told you what happened. But anyway. uh, <laughs> You have to tell us at the end. Yes. So okay. John, he graduates and he accepts a position for a hard drive company. And the two part ways. So then John meets Sherry at a party. And Sherry, she's smart. She's hardworking. She has a passion for helping people. She entered college at 16. Wow. And she was a graduate of Loma Linda University. And she studied to become a critical care nurse. Okay. Okay. And then by the time she was 29, she was a director of nursing at Glendale Adventist Medical Center. And she holds training sessions and presentations and teaches other nurses. Very cool. So she At was 29. Very, yeah. She was, yeah. Go get her. And so after they meet, they began dating and they get serious. So they met in the spring of 1984. But Stephanie couldn't quite shake John. Like she, she's still in love with him. She always thought she would be the one. That would marry him, and she tries to stay involved in his life. And She's the one that went to the police academy. Right. Okay. And so, like, she even threw him a surprise birthday party for, like, his 25th birthday party, and she didn't even know he had another girlfriend. Like, it was a really awkward moment. I would say very awkward. <laughs> so, so, when she found out that he was in a serious relationship, she was just devastated. Oh, wow. Like, to the <laughs> point that she wrote his mom a letter. Oh, okay yeah she writes his mom a letter in august of 1985 and she says quote i'm truly in love with john and the past year has torn me up i wish it didn't end the way it did and i don't think i will ever understand his decision end quote oh my gracious which she wrote his mom that's a little no does it does it say anything about his mom and her response no No. okay one of my unanswered questions if i knew it i would put it in there (laughs) um but she also kept a journal at home and um an entry was described of how she felt when she found out he was getting married oh wow she put there in their quote i really don't feel like working i found out john was getting married like in quote, she just was really depressive and um she really never got over him so she loved him very much which is how it happens and it's common you know but you just don't do things about it sometimes (laughs) yeah but love doesn't I don't know. Yeah. 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 But she still tried to weasel her way back in and tried to win him over. So she visited his house often. And he did fall for one of her tricks. And while they were engaged, he did cheat on Sherry with. Shame. I know. I know. My respect just went down. And he told Sherry about it. And he promised to never let her back in his life. Oh my goodness. And she forgave him. But Stephanie didn't remove herself from his life. So, she showed up one day with water skis and asked John if he could wax them forward. Like, she was going to drop them off and pick them up another day. Okay. Like, apparently, he was the only one in the world that could wax these water skis. So, he should have said flat out no. Right. Because but. he'd already made a boo-boo. <laughs> and he felt like he, I don't know if he owed her or if he just was just friendly or he didn't think anything of it. But he kept them and he did that for her. Of course, but she was also inappropriately dressed for the situation when she dropped the water skis off. And Sherry was home, so she kind of made it like a in-your-face kind of intimidating thing. I would have, if I were Sherry, I would have said, write him a Dear John letter. Well, Sherry was home. She didn't like the idea of her just showing up wearing skimpy workout clothes. And he shouldn't be doing her any favors like this, which I agree with her. Yes. And, you know, he's assured there was nothing going on. So a few days later, Stephanie shows up at the house to pick him back up. Okay. But Sherry was the only one at home, and she made sure to show up in her police uniform, <gasps> gun and all, as, like, a intimidation. Yes, very intimidating. And Sherry told her, don't come back to this house anymore. Right. But then she showed up at Sherry's office. Now, remember, she works in a medical, so there's no reason for her to show up. Exactly. And so she would show up in, like, short shorts and, like, just be all flirty and try to just show her up, I guess. And she even made the comment one day that, you know, she was the one for John, and if she couldn't have him, no one will. Oh, wow. And so, you know, usually what happens when people say that. Yes. And they, you know, back it up sometimes. Foresee in the future. Um, but despite all of that, John and Sherry get married in November of 1985. I don't know. There's just too many red flags there. <laughs> <laughs> like, screaming, warning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well... But John, together, they live in a condo in Van Nuys, California on Balboa Boulevard, and he leaves for work. So we're on February 24th, 1986. So he has a normal day at work. Sherry's day was not normal. Usually she leaves before he does. Okay. On this particular day, she had another presentation or a session, like a training session to get ready for. So she was kind of dreading it and she was going to go in later. And she even mentioned that maybe she was just going to call in. Like, she had hurt her back working out. And she just didn't really didn't feel like working that day. So, it was an off day for her. But she ended up being home. And we all have those days. Yes. Um, so, he has a normal day at work. But in the evening when he arrives home, it just doesn't feel right to him. So, he bought her a BMW as an engagement present. Because, obviously, the engineer with the nice job at the okay. hard drive company. So, it was probably so needs making one. Yeah. He's Unlike making the some money. You and I would get Yeah. That. <laughs> Was, like, the 40 years old. hmm But, so, the BMW that he bought her isn't parked where it's usually parked. And that's kind of odd. Okay. And then he noticed that there's broken glass in the driveway. Ooh. And that the garage door is open. So okay. none of this sounds like it's going to be a good thing. Right. So, then he, he gets inside and he's just this horrible scene. Like, the whole house is torn up. You have furniture knocked over broken lamps. There's vases on the floor that are crushed. And then Sherry draws his attention. She's laying in the middle of the floor. Oh, no. Um, he rushes to her side, and she's cold to the touch. So she'd been there for a couple of hours. Okay. Um, so there's even, there was a bloody handprint next to the burglar alarm pad. Like, she was oh, wow. trying to hit, the like, a panic button. Yeah. And couldn't couldn't get there. Man. And so he immediately <laughs> calls 911, and first responders come out. He told the police that he called her early in the day and couldn't get an answer. He even tried calling the office and couldn't get her. Hmm. So it was kind of odd, but his mind didn't immediately jump to, oh, my God, this has happened. Right. Uh, he just was like, oh, it's odd. She's busy. I'll just get her later. Back there again, no cell phone. <laughs> yeah, couldn't look up the so, an app and find out what she was at. Or right. Or one. So he didn't really think anything to this extreme had happened. There was a pile of electronics gathered at the bottom of the stairs. And since the house was torn up, they immediately burglary okay a burglar broke in was trying to get some stuff maybe she surprised them they didn't know what to do and there was a struggle that happened and that's how stuff got broken and she ends up being shot so they assume that's what happened okay um she was shot three times in the front of her chest oh wow but there had been a recent string of burglaries in the area so it made sense to them that this was just a burglary same mo just something happened. Something went wrong. Right. She's home. She wasn't supposed to be home. She was supposed to be at work. And she called him and surprised him. And this is what happened. So when they're going through the crime scene, so they begin to piece things together to figure out exactly what happened in Sherry's last moments. Nearby, they find a quilt that also had bullet holes in it. So it was thought that the suspect wrapped the gun in the quilt and used it as a silencer okay. to avoid detection. And we see that sometimes. She had cuts and bruises on her face that suggested she was hit hard with a blunt objects. There was a crushed pottery vase on the floor. But the most important and odd evidence was found thanks to a very detailed medical examiner. On the inside of Sherry's arm, there was a crescent-shaped mark. Kind of looked like a bite mark, is what they were thinking. And I don't know about you, but burglars don't usually come in and just bite people <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that you would normally do or think about doing when you're in a struggle with somebody especially if you had a gun right um so you know what kind of burglar just bites somebody so it looked like a break-in but once everything was gone through there was only one thing missing john and sherry's wedding certificate dun, dun, dun. that sounds a little bit so, yeah what? why are you gonna steal that as a burglar So, you know, automatically when a person is murdered, it's usually spouse's number one suspect. So immediately they're like, hey, John, what what really did you have going on that day? Your marriage certificate is missing. (laughs) Yes. And you, you know, you're not the most faithful person. Right. But so they verify his whereabouts and his co-workers confirm he was at work all day. Nothing appeared to be out of the ordinary. He was acting fine. So he was ruled out. And just two days later, two men robbed a woman by gunpoint in the same area in her house. So, they were thinking they're on the right track. Uh, Like, these are these burglars. We need to catch these burglars. Linking it together. Right. But there's one person that may have a different idea about what happened. And he should have been listened to. So, we'll get to that. So, there is someone who knows what might be going on. And that's Nels Rasmussen, Sherry's father. He doesn't buy this whole robbery gone wrong thing. I wouldn't either, especially if he knows anything about the relationship. Right. He wants police to further question John Ooh. and look at him more closely because after Sherry's death, he kind of acted a little bit differently. Oh. Which, okay. I mean, grief does change people. People who were outgoing tend to withdraw, and sometimes people, you know get more sarcastic and more out outgoing because they're yeah, trying angry. to mask what they they have going on so it's kind of hard to read somebody without knowing the whole story but he wants him looked at and also you know he he had to find out what happened to sherry from someone else so he like didn't. you would think john would call her dad or her family and say this is what's happened he didn't. I have one of those inquiring questions. Oh, yeah. and, and I don't know who told him. <laughs> I knew no, that no, was coming. No, no. Oh, okay. like, do you know what kind of relationship they had prior I, I to don't. this? Okay. I don't. I, love said, I love asking questions she so don't have the answer to. You. But it was it was stated that after Sherry's, you know, death and in his de- her dad found out When he tried to ask John about what happened, he would just avoid them altogether. Okay. So, that kind of threw up a red flag in his mind that, hey, this might be a little bit suspicious. So, as an option, he's like, don't look at burglars, you know, 100% with blinders on. Maybe you should try this avenue. Yes. Keep your mind open. Right. But the police never really take it into consideration and so he also brings up that they should look at one of his old girlfriends because he remembers Sherry telling him about this girl, Stephanie, showing up with water skis and showing up at her office and doing things that you just, you're not That's typically not to do. Yeah, That's not normal ex girlfriend behavior. No, unless you're a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> when there's quite a few of them on there. Yes. But, you know, police, they never find two bl- burglary suspects. John ends up quitting his job and moves out of town because it's probably really hard to stay in the house and everything going on. And uh, meanwhile, Nels Rasmussen, he doesn't give up. Like, he continues to push police to further their investigation, and one year passes. So, on the anniversary of Sherry's death, he holds his own press conference and announces that he's going to offer up $10,000 to anyone who can give up the killers. Like, he wants to find out who did this to his daughter. And I can't blame him. Yes. And even despite. This, the reward, and Nell's giving Stephanie's name as a possible suspect. The case goes cold. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Mm -mm. So, it wasn't until 2004 that it was looked at again. That was 17 years ago. Because there's so many advances in how evidence is processed. You know, now is the time to test that saliva sample from the wound in her arm that they thought was a a bite mark back in 1986. Okay. And so, Jennifer Butterworth, love the name. I do, too. She reopens the case. She was a criminal investigator, and she goes to collect the evidence, and it's not there. Ooh. She gets the box, and someone checked out the evidence in 1993 and didn't put it back. Lovely. That's not good. So, she doesn't have any. Well, luckily, DNA, saliva... Samples like that are sensitive, and they're normally frozen and stored in, like, the medical examiner's office or somewhere different than the evidence. Because you can have okay. the box that has, like, stuff they found at the crime scene and all that stuff, clothes or whatever, her, can be preserved without having to be refrigerated. Okay. But the saliva sample needed to be refrigerated. Awesome. Okay. And so she goes to look for that, and it's vanished. It's not where <gasps> it's supposed to be. Oh, no. But it wasn't on the list of stuff that was checked out in 1993 because they have to log all that stuff. There's chain of you know command, and it has yes. to be able to see where it's flown and who, who's got it. And it can be evidence from one case can be split up between, like, the prosecution side, the defense side, the medical examiner. There's so many different right. places it could be. But she had a list of stuff that was checked out, and never none of it was returned. She couldn't find any of it. Okay. Did she have the – who checked it out? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't go down that rabbit hole, but she did decide to go to the medical examiner's office and dig through their extra storage. Okay. And in the back of the freezer, at the bottom, was a little Manila envelope that just had the word "Rasmussen" on it. Awesome. Okay. And inside was the saliva sample in the bag that she thought was lost. Okay. So she has it. So she found it and it survived 18 years. All right. So from 18 years ago. So the sample is tested and it changes everything because they thought they were looking for two male suspects, two burglars. And it reveals that it was a woman. Okay. That bit Sherry on her arm, right. which we all have a feeling we know what woman, but still. Yes. So they're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. This is crazy. It, cha- it blows their mind. They Oh my, they couldn't believe a woman could do this. But what they do with that information is they write it down in the case file, they close it up, and it sits for five more years. What? Yeah. That's driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. The sample goes back into storage. Y'all can't see me, but I'm standing up because it's making me (laughs) frustrated. The sample goes back to storage, new evidence is written in the case log, and they do nothing. They don't call his exes like the father of the victim suggested. They don't re-look through the notes. They don't announce it. They just... Do nothing okay. for five more years. Oh my word. I mean, why did that Butterworth? I mean, she wasn't really buttery. She didn't keep <laughs> going. You don't just stop there if you're going to start something. So in 2009, the files reopened again by two new detectives. Oh. So now they focus on looking for a woman. They're like, okay, our plans have changed, even though it's five years later. Let's relook through all this stuff. They come up with two possible suspects. There was a co-worker who argued loudly in the office with Sherry the week before her death. Okay. Which we've all had conversations like that. Doesn't mean that she's, you know, guilty, but they have to check that out. And a little note in the file that has John's ex's name on it with the words police officer question mark. Okay. So the note was in the file the entire time. Wow. So now police believe that Stephanie Lazarus may have something to do with Sherry Rasmussen's murder 23 years ago. So, now you're looking at 23 years have gone by. Wow. She's almost to the point of retirement. And she's been in the police academy since 1983. Yeah. Like, she's now a detective. She's now, she's had this career. She's moved up. She's... This she's respected. She's one of their own. Yes. And so now, what do you do with that kind of information? What so they ever met? To, got married? Or anything? she did. Okay. She did. Huh. She got married and adopted the stepson of the the son of that person. Okay. Don't know their names. Don't know their anything like that. But she did end up getting uh, married. Okay. But so then they start looking at everything that had happened. Sherry was shot with a thirty-eight caliber handgun. When they look at Stephanie's file from way back when. A couple of days after the murder, she reported her thirty-eight caliber handgun missing. Oh, conveniently, um, yeah, not, convenient. not there. So when you look back, you're like, eh, yeah. And so she was also scheduled off on the day of the murder, oh. so you wouldn't commit a crime on when you're working as a police officer because, well, I doubt that didn't have like the little dash cans and all that stuff in the no, '80s, but, yeah. but still. So she would do it on her day off. She was scheduled off, so she had the time, she had the weapon, right, that she reported missing. And then there was glass in the driveway. Remember when I yes. got home? That came from a sliding glass door on the second floor. Okay. And it shattered outward. Okay. Straight bullet hit it. Why didn't anybody pay attention to that? Right. Day one. Right. Ugh. So now their theory is that she snuck in after John left for work. She attempted to surprise Sherry upstairs, shot, but missed. Sherry runs downstairs to get away, and then they fight. Okay. And then they could tell by the evidence in the living room the way stuff was broken and smashed. They have theories about how that happened and that bloody handprint next to the panic button trying to hit the, the alarm. And so they think... Which they think was Sherry trying right, to get help. They think that uh, Sherry managed to put Stephanie in a headlock. Okay. And the only way she could get free was to bite her arm okay so then sherry bites her arm which makes her drop her um grip and then she gets the vase and knocks her in the head which makes her bleed as she's going for the alarm panel get shot okay so that's their theory now that has that has gone got it because the um electronics that were stacked at the bottom of the stairs like they, there had been a robbery. Right. They looked back at it, and there was a bloody glove print on top of the stuff. And they found that that was Sherry's blood. So she was already fought and died before those electronics. They were placed there afterwards. Uh, okay. To stage the burglary. I gotcha. So they you know, they study all that. This is what they think happened. And so it was a misdirect. So that sent authorities in the wrong direction for over twenty-three years. That's a long time. But now they need to determine if it really was her that did it. Okay, if it was Stephanie that right. Okay, so they have to get her DNA, but they can't let her know that they're getting her her DNA, and they can't let people in the department know that they're getting her DNA. Right, because who do you know was covering up for going? You know exactly. You don't. You're really not. And so they take a coffee cup. That okay. she sips from and throws it in her trash can, and so they get that, and it's a perfect match oh my to gracious. the saliva on Sherry's arm. So they're a hundred percent sure that she's responsible for the murder of twenty nine year old Sherry Rasmussen twenty three years ago. That her father had said, "Check this woman out." Yes. Oh, if he was still alive, I didn't. I don't know his reaction to this. <laughs> no, I know you were going like to ask that. me. I would be mad. I would be suing some LAPD. Yes procedural errors that happened during this investigation but so now they want to question her but they got to be tricky about it because they don't want her to go off deep in they want to get a weapon away from her yeah <laughs> while definitely. they're que- while they're questioning her and her department has something to do with art theft or s- that's way she's worked herself up to okay and so they tell her that they have a suspect they need to help Question about a recent art gallery theft. Okay. And so she's like, I'm down. I'll question somebody. And so when they're questioning them in lockup, and when they go through that room, they have to hand over their weapon. Okay. So everyone in the room doesn't have a weapon. Yes. So she's like, okay. So then she goes into the little room and she sits down, and he's like, yeah, you remember my partner? By the way, do you know John, John Rutten? And okay. so she's completely blindsided by this question. Yes. And I was like, um. Think, she has to think about it and then she's like oh, yeah i went to school with them okay yes and then they start asking about sherry and then she gets like she's stuttering um first she says she doesn't know her and then it, then she says that maybe she's seen her once or twice and then she keeps repeating that like it's so long ago like right i can't really remember and then she realizes that she's a suspect and she's kind of being interrogated so th- yes so then she's like are you accusing me of this like is this what you're telling me is happening right now this is crazy like i can i leave please yes and so they're like sure you can leave but if you watch the video to the episode like in plain sight she's got crazy eyes like she just looks like she's Now, is this hated. really her it's her okay yeah, yeah. okay so and the video she, has she, her yes and and you look at her younger pictures, you're like, Oh, that's a normal person. Yeah, she's a cop. And then you sit her in that interrogation room and like she's her eyes look crazy. Wow. <laughs> she's got that look. She had to know I mean it always catches up. But I yep. guess when you're guilty of something like that, you just And twenty three years and, ago, she probably was like, It's she locked it away and wasn't like, right. gonna never bring it back up. But you know, True. she would got judged for later, but it's obvious she's been cornered and she's not happy about it. So she demands to leave and they're like, you're free to go. Thanks for coming in. She's like, okay, yeah, thanks. But as soon as she steps out of the room, they handcuff her and charge her with murder because
1: right. obviously
0: it was her. And so, yeah, she's put under the arrest for the murder of Sherry Rasmussen. So then they bring her back in the, in the lockup room and you can see her hands are handcuffed at that point. And she's just like sitting down she's rolling her eyes and she's like, this is absolutely crazy. Why are, Why deny it at that point? Like, you're, you know how it works. You're a cop. You know you left right. something behind. They have you. But so she goes to trial in 2012, and after a couple of days of deliberating, on March 9th, 2012, she's found guilty of first-degree murder of Sherry Rasmussen, and she's sentenced to 27 years to life. Wow. Now, she will be eligible for parole in 2039. Okay. Well. Because the defense tried to play her outstanding behavior and role as a police officer against her her character yeah like, if you murder someone then that doesn't <laughs> that kind of null and voids the other stuff because yeah. she really you know unless she thought hey i'm doing this good now so well,
1: I was it's just, just a young just,
0: person then i was uh, just in the academy then, i didn't know how yes <laughs> <laughs> what she didn't know was that she left her spit on her arm when she bit her That's, Right. if she hadn't done that she probably would have got away Well, and you've always got a plan for the future. That's what Mm -hmm. I tell my kids all the time. (laughs) So just because they couldn't test things back then doesn't mean that they couldn't in the future. And, and and we can sit here too. I I was thinking a while ago when you were talking about that, the police were not listening to the dad, nail, nails, nails, you know, but we, we, it's easy to look back and think, why did they do this? But you don't know what the situation was like. And we, but those but this, are so frustrating because he's I, like she I might have done it look at well, her I think when you look at the surprise birthday party she threw him and then showing up like at her work they did. They missed a lot well You're even exactly just that right. whole if no one can if I well, can't have them right, no one the mother, can like, to the mother, not the mother the, the John's mother Sherry. no when she came to her office and was like if I oh, can't have them no one can like, that's, that's a threat right but the note that she oh, gave yeah, to she John's mother letter, that's yes, not that's creepy no. So, Um. Yeah. Definitely. I don't care how close I am. I'm not writing. I'm not even writing no. my mother-in-law right now <laughs> <laughs> about anything. That's just weird. That is. I, I agree. <laughs> I love your son so much, and I'm so heartbroken. Yeah, that was definitely. <laughs> That would have been a red light, or written a red, red light. light. You say that because you like to run red lights. Ah, she cuts it close. She cuts it close. Ah, just sometimes. Sometimes lemonade. Look, lemonade. I watched a cop run a red light the other day on his way to and get, get some chicken. We have great respect for chop, cops, but <laughs> for he was chops. going to get his <laughs> chops. We were going to. He was getting chicken. He was. Look, he, he was in a hurry. He was in a hurry, so he wanted to squeeze that lemon. <laughs> but too. if I'd have done that, and he oh, would have been like blue lights blue i lights. know i know girl no we love cops i we know do. i know plenty of cops i know former cops other cops now we love what you do it's just frustrating to hear those stories that people were right oh along 23 years yeah just listen to them. poor nails rescue son but Sherry. i mean they had all those burglaries going on at the same time the same the next day like they i mean it's easy to see how they fell into like that's not important right now there's there's these guys breaking into houses this is what we need to look for but then, but it was a murder, it was right. But then, escalated. when they find out it's a woman, they didn't do anything about oh, it, <laughs> they put it back in the bag. Like, we're just gonna this, years. we're just gonna set it aside till someone else wants to deal with it. Yes, maybe I bet. I bet, know, I bet but Mrs. Butterworth had to take retirement, <laughs> make some pancakes. I don't know. Well, we well, are that was a good one, I like that one. I did too. We appreciate everyone listening and tell a friend. Yes. Thank you. Share us. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, a- Apple. I said that already. Wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Share it with a friend. Um, so we can grow. You can email us at oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. If there's a murder that you think I haven't heard of, please let me know. Yes. Um, so that we can talk about it. And just remember do the crime and it's going to catch up with you in time which is what stephanie should have (laughs) realized 23 years but it caught up with her and we'll talk about it have a great week